Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Hollerbach. With me, Tadpole Triplet. How you Whoa. doing, buddy? I'm good. What's up? Uh, man, we, uh, we've known each other for a long time now. This is crazy. Uh, since 2018, maybe? 19. 2019? I was still in L.A. in 18. Okay. When did you come through New Jersey? 2019. Uh, what month, do you think? Uh, the week after Super Bowl, I did my first mic there. So sometime around like then, we probably mid-February. Yeah, um, probably met you at the Brighton Bar. R.I.P. to the Brighton Bar in Long Branch. I mean, I don't think. Yeah, that's... she's still a wreck, but she's on her way out, man. I'm gonna miss that place. Um, so now you're living north of Dallas, and you're coming through Austin. This is your second time you've come through. Now, we kind of, the whole idea of this apartment, a big part of it was like to operate a flop house. So we have guests in all the time. So uh, we've had a couple comedy excursions. What do you think of Roma? What do you think of the uh, Austin comedy scene out here? Uh, I can't believe how much like LA Austin looks. It's besides the thirst for attention and all that desperation. There's some of that going on here. For sure, for sure. But the Romo room's cool. I like Romo room. They, you know, you get a fair energy. You know what I mean? If you, a lot of places you go into, you don't get a fair energy. It's a run like a sorority and you're talking to a lot of back of the heads because people like talking to each other when other people are giving their heart and soul on stage and that bothers me. But Romo room's cool. Some of these places down here are pretty cool so far. We played an American Legion last night, and what was interesting about that was it was like half the room was doing the comedy show and being an audience for the comedy show, and the other half the room was playing pool and listening to country music super loud. So it was like, uh, but then I figured, I thought like they kept turning it off, like the country music, because then a comic would go on with no music sometimes, and that was like a blessing, but then it would go back on, and then I realized like they're putting quarters in a jukebox or something back there, so... Whenever one of them gets uh, enough quarters together, then the comedy show would get fucked up again. It was kind of a brutal working environment. Uh, both interesting and uh, very emotive for me, letting go of some baggage with my dad walking into an American Legion. Like, all those feelings came through, so it was as rough of a mic as it was, it was good healing for me as a person. So what'd you do at the start? You you had his hat and you threw it down. You keep that around with you, your dad's military hat? Uh, it's on the dashboard of my car usually. And then when I pulled up and it was an American Legion, I was like, oh shit, I don't know if I can do this. And I was like, oh, I can do this. I got my man. So I brought his American Legion hat from New Jersey up on stage for whatever the fuck reason. I don't know why I do half the things I do. And uh, it, it's, I don't know. Maybe it was the country music playing through. I thought maybe he was on the jukebox or something. <laughs> he was out there playing playing pool. Yeah, some outlaw like, shit by Waylon Jennings, you know. <laughs> uh, it wasn't until last time you... I mean, we've known each other for years and years, but it wasn't until last time you came. And I noticed that we have so much in common. We were just talking for hours. And then you just made this one noise. You just go, oos. And I was like, wait a minute, what the <laughs> fuck? That's Thai kickboxing training. I, I trained Muay Thai in uh, North Hollywood. And then we get into it and we have like all this shared history and uh, we have similar paths and we're both doing comedy now. So um, I've been looking up your bio. I've been looking up all this information. Um, let's just start with martial arts and then we'll go back to other topics. But uh, when did you start? Uh, I mean, I... I did Taekwondo as a kid, and 
I mean, I really got into the martial arts more when I fell in love with jiu-jitsu. I don't know, something about being able to use my intelligence, which benefited me greatly because I wasn't as strong or wasn't as athletic. You know, I'm good to very good at most things, but I'm never exceptional. But I'm always able to find what I'm a little more gooder at than the other people. And in jiu-jitsu, it was being able to use leverage and not have to overforce things. So once I was able to, because I had a bunch of injuries, so doing the more forceful arts are a lot more difficult, a lot more, you know, energy is used up. And when you hit shit real hard, it feels good for a few minutes. But after all that banging, when you got some injuries, it, it takes a toll on you. So it was really falling in love with jujitsu that got me linked up in my path with the martial arts. <laughs> so, um, well, you're kind of downplaying your path with martial <laughs> arts because um, you told me the other day, now I'm just going to read this news report and just tell me if anything, you know, comes to mind. Um, but this is on the public record. Bloody, Bloody Elbow reported November 10, 2011. Um, Alistair Overeen sues his manager in uh, Golden Glory, and Golden Glory prepares countersuit. In Overeem's suit, he claims that he was required to pay his managers 35% of his pre-tax earnings, yet they continued to fail him. The suit states that Golden Glory is withholding upward to $151,000, including his bonus for signing the UFC. The suit doesn't specify the damages he is seeking, but he is uh, looking to the courts to break his management contract. As standard in Europe, managers are usually given anywhere between 25 and 30 percent of earnings so this manager was taking 35 the golden glory management agreement provides free training which they offer a full camp added to the significant amount of money so do you have any thoughts on this issue uh many i i have many i think one you don't shit on the people that got you to where you got to that's big for me it's like if I were to get my fucking type five on a fucking late night show and then be like, fuck the Brighton bar and fuck all them people that fucking gave me some love when I was nobody and all that shit. So that part of it didn't sit right with me. But as far as the business end of it, Golden Glory offered more than any other team in the world at that point. The best managers, best training, best training partners. There's a reason we had most of the highest ranked fighters. We had seven of the eight heavyweights at one point. And it's because of that team, that cohesiveness. But when you're making 50, 60, 70,000 a fight, that 20, 30% isn't as much. So when you sign a multi, multi million dollar deal with a UFC, that 30% looks like a bigger number. And as human beings, I think you get caught up in your feelings and you get caught up in these emojis and money will make people do shit that wouldn't normally happen. Yeah, so you did, did the UFC is just like the pimp daddy, and then they, you know, there's other pimps out there and hoes, you know, fighters. I mean, what are we talking about? But uh, I think the UFC wanted to be the main pimp daddy, and so now they're offering training. They have their training centers, you know, they have their F performance institute, you know. Was there like a pimp daddy issue, cock measuring contest between Absolutely. Golden Glory and UFC? For sure. I mean, I've got the smallest pecker in the bunch. I will. <laughs> proudly admit that but uh i mean there there's room for everybody to eat but also it's like you know coke pepsi they try to get rc cola out of the game and like you can only have so many people at the top and if you're running the business you want to cock block those that can take you out of your top 
notch. Like, you know what I mean? You always want to be number one. I do everything in life to try and win, to try to be uh-huh. the best at what I do. And even in the fight game, right? You want to be the best. And the UFC was offering the greatest platform for people. And my uh, the guys who ran fight game were probably the only people in the world that could have competed with the UFC at the time. And the UFC knew that, so they were putting... So because they, the management also ran Glory Kickboxing... Glory Kickboxing was a rival promotion. So it was kind of like management plus promotion versus promotion, right? Sort of. I mean, we mostly did kickboxing events, and then we did mixed kickboxing MMA events. And it was a different niche. We were doing mostly European shows. The UFC wasn't even over there much. And it was, like I said, just we were RC Cola maybe or you know trying to be some Pepsi or whatever it was. You know, trying to be a part of the game. And... As we got, you know, a little more meat on the bones, then we became a bigger, you know, threat to to the power play. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking at. Oh goddamn, my fucking notes. Fucking stop falling around. But I, I looked at your uh, from 1996 to 2002. You were a producer of World Valley Tudo, and then is United Glory a Glory events like kickboxing events? Yeah, it was the Glory World Series. We switched the name a couple of times for several different reasons part because it went kickboxing to mma to mix to all this other stuff but yeah. so the, you were a producer for valley tudo and then in 2002 and then later on in 2011 that became uh glory events how were you doing uh, that different different promotions same people my uh federico lapenda is considered the founding father of mixed martial arts he brought a lot of the brazilians to america he's you know started a lot of that in the early days, uh, the World Valley Trudeau was his uh, fight league, and he was partners with Boss Boone, the Dutch partner. So we got the Dutch and the Brazilian. And uh, when he did the World Valley Trudeau, he d- I didn't do the live shows. I was still in college or fucking high school or something at the time. But when I became, you know, got into business with Federico, we started doing the, the DVDs for, for all the old events, and we just started re-releasing all of these things. The United Glory, the Glory World Series were live events. We're just, we actually did the first ever YouTube pay-per-view. We were there before the UFC, before all these other people. That, but we did, a, I thought that was a pretty monumental achievement for Federico and Boss. So you were hanging out in L.A. Uh, f- give me your time. Where did you go to college and then where where did you uh, end up? Like, where were your first couple jobs? <laughs> I finished school at Monmouth University in New Jersey, and three days later, I was working for Jay Leno at The Tonight Show. Three days? Three days. <laughs> three days, yeah, three days after my... So you're just a boy, you come off a, a bus, you know, in Burbank Airport or whatever the fuck. Jeep and- Wrangler. I drove my Jeep Wrangler cross-country, made it in two days. And then how did you, uh, all the way from Monmouth County, New Jersey to... La- Jersey Shore, motherfucker. Los Angeles. D- you had that grit, that tenacity, that never-say-die attitude. Were you phoning them? Were you faxing your resume from your Jeep while you were... D- I mean, how did you land on your feet so fast? Uh, accidentally on purpose. <laughs> I got... Like most things in my life, I've been pretty lucky, fortunate, and... I try to be as wholly honest as I could be with people, and that's done me very well in my life. And if not for a kid I went to, I didn't even go to school with him. He just happened to be there before me. Mike Luna, shout out, and Chad Dell, professor at Monmouth University, who went, who, he was a student, Mike was a student there, and he went to L.A. and he was working at NBC, 
and somehow he was with the professor and they were talking. I was like, I already graduated. I was going to go to L.A. to be an actor. And I still don't know exactly how it happened. But within a day, I talked myself into going out to work for Jay Leno at The Tonight Show. And you started at the bottom of the total pole. Yeah, I did, I did internship, production assistant, and I and had some good things happen after that. But IMDb I, says segment producer. Yeah, we got there. We it was the it it's so it's so hard for me having these conversations because one day I want to be I want to be good enough at something that I can go on a thank you tour. There's so many people that gave me opportunities, especially at the Tonight Show. I was a young kid, fucking smallest school in New Jersey. Three days later, I'm working on the number one show in America. And I never got to thank those people. So even talking about it now is pretty... It's emotional. It's fucking... Yeah, people, people give you little, like, bumps in your life that out of nowhere. I mean, the thank you tour is going to happen regardless. But without Steve Ridgeway and Dave Berg, Ross Mark, and some people like that, the events that happened to me after the Tonight Show doesn't happen. So, like, even... Like, trying to think about it now, how can I not start naming 200 people that taught me something that paved the path for me to be the person that I am? And uh, do you think uh, coming from Jersey, you know, gave you an edge? Because the Jersey culture and the L.A. culture are kind of different, you know. In Jersey, it's like we're very direct. It's like, you know, you talk to my fucking girlfriend like that again, I'm going to put your head through a fucking wall. Do you understand me? It's like, and in L.A., it's like... Well, Passive. um, I'm pussy. so <laughs> you might be able to help me later. So why would I ever say anything controversial to your face? I'm just going to go behind your back. Right. And, and I'm the complete antithesis to that. And I believe that's why I've been lucky enough to be that fly on the wall so many different times. You know what I mean? I feel, yeah, I think being from Jersey that I don't give a fuck attitude. Definitely. But I think. It's also the work ethic, too. Then you have to back it up and For like sure. finish I, your work. I try to be the best at everything I do, and I have an, a very, very unhealthy belief in myself. I, I think I can be transcending. I think I can change the world. And I, You know what I mean? I, for whatever reason, anything I do, I, I believe I can be the best at it. And if I can't be, I know I did everything. Like basketball, I was good, very good. I can compete with the best, played with NBA players, played at a high level. But they were better than me. I was a little bit smarter sometimes. Some people that were smarter than me, I was a little more athletic than. The people I was more athletic than, I was a little bit more of the, you know what I mean? I was yeah, a little you bit of. find your path. Yeah, and fucking just compete. We've lost that edge in this world where people don't compete anymore. Nobody strives for greatness. Everyone just wants it handed to them. And, and there's, no, there's no evolution for, for your personal spirit if you don't strive to be great at it. Whether you're fucking, you know, making a, a breakfast sandwich or you're, why would you fucking just phone it in make it taste like a plastic Tupperware or would you make it taste like a fucking gourmet shit that came out of a 90 you know what I mean you, did you have a good breakfast sandwich this morning yeah Eric Hollenbach is alright <laughs> on some flavors he's alright so far um, alright so right out of college 2001 to 2003 you worked for Jay Leno and then did you go to fucking Thailand where'd you go nah, after two, right I after to Thailand until 10 years 5 years later maybe uh, I was at Leno until 05 and then back and forth a couple times in between. But I played on a softball team till 2008 for the Tonight Show. That was that was probably some of the more enjoyable moments. You know what I mean? Just because yeah. you get to get the people when we're not 
full go, let's make the best show in the world every day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get out there on the softball field, you crack it, you know, and now you can say some other shit, you can bust some balls, you know, even though there's some ball busting going on, right? But it was business. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what was the... Um, so, uh, Thailand. Th- like, oh, what? Like between be. Leno and Thailand, what was going on with you in L.A.? Uh, mostly broken neck and a lot of, uh, Federico Lapenda, the Brazilian martial arts. Uh, I was still, I was, was doing jujitsu with Higa Machado and he introduced me to Federico and we just became like brothers, you know, for every day ever since then, I, you know, I'd step in front of a train for the guy. So, uh, so how'd you break your neck? Was that uh, while you were working for Leno? No, it ha- it happened before I was able to... Re- I, I've had multiple surgeries along the way, and after I was able to recover, recover. And I was hit by a drunk driver. And you were on a bike or you were a pedestrian? I stopped at a light in a car. Okay. And they were going 76 miles per hour when they Jeez. hit me. Yeah. So, if... Anytime I see a drunk driver, I want to beat the life out of him. Gotcha. Um, so, you... Uh, you, you, you were struggling with this the whole time you were working with Jay, and uh, then you, uh, you know, left in two thousand five. Then you were just kind of recovering in six, seven, eight, and then went to Thailand in twenty ten. Mostly hiding. I. What do you mean by hiding? Uh, I was both in a lot of pain physically and emotionally, emotionally from some things that happened when I was on the, you know, trying to be cute actor side of things in Hollywood. A couple of times when I left the Tonight Show, I saw the less than lovable side of it. You know, I was so spoiled as my first job being working for, you know, it could have been the number two show like Letterman and everyone was miserable and everyone was addicted to each other. That's why the energy was the way it was. But I was lucky enough to be around people that were nice and kind. And I was like, oh, this is fucking dude, Hollywood. This is the shit. Mm. And then I left those doors. And I was like, damn, Hollywood is shit. <laughs> so you would have seasons, right? Like Jay Leno would shoot for a season. So you'd be on for a couple months mm, off or not. Uh, we'd have a couple different hiatuses per year. It was That was basically based on the Nielsen. Like when the Nielsen... It came out two or three times a year, so we'd have a two-week break hiatus after each of the big Nielsen, whatever. So is that when you were going for, like, little cute Hollywood acting jobs? Is that when you had time to (laughs) go out and be cute on casting couches? I left a couple times. I left probably three or four times at Tonight Show and came back. And that's why I said not ever being able to say thank you is the biggest regret I have in my career. Gotcha. But... I have mostly thank yous and only a couple of I'm sorry's, which I don't think most people can sleep at night with. So I feel pretty fortunate that I've done everything I could be to be the most decent human being to every equation I enter. So I've said this to you before. In Hollywood, I remember uh, one of my bosses said to me, maybe his name is John Platt, he's, uh, who worked on Big Brother. He goes, oh, I was heard about... Brian Singer's house last night and I go what happened there and he's like well there was like naked 13 12 year old boys in the pool for an ornament for Brian Singer's party and I was like uh okay did a SWAT team come in and shoot everybody in the fucking head and save the kids he's like 
I don't think you know how Hollywood works. Anyway, let's work on this next yes, segment. Let's. So that's my biggest problem is that <laughs> it. It's a much bigger problem than we, as a society, will ever look at because we're all cowards and most people would rather look the other way if it benefits them and that was my biggest problem in Hollywood because I didn't have a problem calling it out and that always pumped the brakes on my advancement and such but I'm okay with hey, it. Hey play ball what are you talking about Tapo? This is yeah, just how just it works. Look, just, just look the other way like everybody else <laughs> and I, a lot of it may be just not being aware or being so caught up in it because for when I was on that thirst trap trail, I was going out to all the parties and before I could like retard my brain enough to slow down and just instead of trying to be the thing in the room, I decided after probably the third time some things happened to me that I was uncomfortable with, I decided I was going to be a fly on the wall. I'm still the person that can be likable enough to be able to do the things that you know I wanted to do but then just stand back instead of trying to thrust myself into the center of it I, I removed myself from it. I started to become I like to say that fly on the wall which would probably be my book if I ever <laughs> released one because I've gotten you know so many opportunities to be in places that are great and profound and then every time you leave those spaces you start to see more and more of the so you think Jay kind of like is like an oasis in Hollywood and uh, created a healthy working environment, which I think that's good to hear. You know, I've been in the past on this podcast to talk shit on Jay Leno saying he's got all this money. He should make a dormitory for, uh, you know, struggling comedians. Maybe that's because I've been a struggling comedian for yeah, for over a fucking decade and I'm pissed sure, off about sure. it. Uh, you know, being a but loser, uh, you know, is not fun, you know, and I've been that most of my fucking adult life. So I'm like, I have a, I'm trying not to have like a bitter cunt comic syndrome and keep myself in, but it is good to hear that at least he made the, everyone in his staff comfortable. And you said also that he paid bonuses like crazy and he was super generous and made sure he went to bat for his staff. Yeah, he was great. I only good. I don't know if there's many other places that I can only say I've seen only good. There's a couple of people there that didn't like me, probably. There's a couple of people that, you know, like I said, I, w I can have a few conversations as a grown-up instead of a 21, 22, 23, 24-year-old who was so thirsty to be the motherfucker that I was a thousand miles an hour that I couldn't slow down and be like, hey, thank you for right, right, giving right. me the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it seems normal. It seems normal. When you go from college to Jay Leno, it seems normal. And it's hard to even understand the enormity of what's going on. I can't do any better, statistically, right? My first job as a growing up was working for the number one show in America. We doubled our competitor. You know, the king of late night, he calls himself fucking adorable, right? Guy who wins all the awards because he does all the, you know, cute shit in Hollywood. You know? But we doubled him in ratings. Number one, I, how could I do any better except as a person? Forget career. That was my mentality going in was fucking, I'm going to be the, fucking, I thought I was going to be the next Tom Hanks. On God, I believe I'm as good as that man. I believe I am as good as that man. I thought I was going to be the next Tom Hanks. I don't, I still want to perform. I still want to be characters. I want to do movies. I want to do all that stuff. I don't want to be Tom Hanks. 
you don't want to join masonry and just ritualistically lose your soul for the Hollywood machine and then post cryptic weird tweets right. after Isaac Happy I, dies? You don't want to do that? Hypothetically, unless you have eyes and are aware of your surroundings with the many times. The problem for me is the, the detachment of people like that. You know what I mean? Like when... Some things are uncomfortable. They detach themselves. Like, oh, I don't know. How can I fucking... How can anyone... What? Harvey Weinstein did. What? He did... Me, I'm nobody. I've never... I'm Nobody knows who I am from anything, right? Next to a tree, the guy that drove by thought I was part of the tree. I'm nobody, right? I knew in 2002 that Harvey Weinstein and Oprah Winfrey were pieces of shit. I called them out, right? Never got called back in from another casting director. But why... In the world, did it take 16 years for all the other people who were somebodies who probably benefited from the advantages that Harvey Weinstein gave them from just sucking a dick or whatever they did? Well, Why I think did he it take 15 years to be like, oh yeah, me too. That happened. It. Let well, me wait a minute. To I tell. think Harvey paid residuals every time your shitty movie went on HBO Max or whatever the DVD came out. He gave you your little $300 check in the mail, and that was enough to shut up everybody. You know? Uh, no, no. It's not. I'm, money for, for money, sixteen years. Money is nice and money is beautiful, but there is nothing more addictive than attention, and that's what these people crave. And I still crave it a bit, or I wouldn't be doing stand up. Yeah. I still believe like I have something to say that can change people's lives. That's why I'm doing stand up because I want enough attention to be like, hey, look at me, everybody, look at me. I'm saying stuff. Do you feel any way? But that attention is, it drives a lot of us, especially in Hollywood. We're fucking like, hey, I gotta be, I'm gonna be fucking, and now I get all this nice stuff. They give us free stuff. We don't need it because we got enough money to buy our own shit, but they'll keep giving us free stuff. It feels so good. They're giving us attention. Let's do drugs. That drug's not getting us as high as this attention. How can we get more attention? Let's do things to get more attention. More drugs? Nope, that's not doing it. Now we're addicted to 15 different things. We're trying to make ourselves look like people that don't look like people themselves. We're going down this path of what can I do with the least amount of effort to get the maximal amount of likes and followers. and Why is Oprah Winfrey a piece of shit? She seems like a nice lady. Yeah, she gives out Cadillacs. Go Oprah Winfrey. That's all I got to say on the record. Yeah, she. everybody gets a Cadillac. Oprah Winfrey, woo! She's a nice lady, right? Yeah, yep. Got nice skin and everything. Soft, it's soft skin. Oh, yeah. I guess so. And you went to Thailand. After oh, you hid. Oh, yeah, you asked about that, didn't you? Uh, so you hid out. You were kind of frazzled yeah, well, from some of, of the <laughs> shit that you saw outside the Jay Leno love boat yeah. in Burbank. You go off the love boat. You see creepy shit. You're hiding. You also have injuries. You have some surgeries. You go to Thailand, and then you... Is that all? I'm sure that was all to do with gold, glory. Yeah. Kickbox. I'm not going to tell you about it, but being at the Tonight Show on 9-11 was one of the most humbling and beautiful experiences of my life. Now back to Thailand. Uh, one of our fight game Golden Glory gyms is there in Pattaya, Thailand. So all of the fight camps, whenever, you know, Alistair, Sergei Karitana, Semi Shields, all these people would have fights, the whole team, half the team, whatever, some of the lighter weight guys and stuff would just go and we'd have, you know, training camps there. And uh, I went the last, the la well, the second to last time I went there was to do a book with Boss Boone called The Fight Game Mafia. So Thailand was sort of my little getaway oasis. I, I would say more than half of my career has been done as a, as a script or book doctor, ghost writer. I've had a number of pen names. Probably two of them have been successful. But I, I preferred that after what I went through in Hollywood, which is sort of why 
you said what happened during all of these years me tadpole disappeared i started creating these other reasons to exist one because i had to live survive i had to find ways of you know right everybody's got an idea everybody wants to write a book but they can't do it i can do it right nobody cares about my ideas because i'm nobody i don't have a fu- i don't have a whatever so i was good at making other people's shit sound all right and that was a skill that you know afforded me being able to live in la for you know several years without anyone knowing i existed <laughs> You got to survive. You got to pay your rent. You know, you got to get your overhead. Yeah, I recommend Thailand. I, I recommend as much travel as you could possibly do, right? That's, we were put here on this earth to explore. Whether it's exploring our mind or the, the earth, the water, whatever it is, we're here to explore, not to spend days. If you want to see the, the Grand Canyon, don't look at it on your phone. It's not the same as if you go and look down in its vastness and see your insignificance. There's, there's no parallel between living vicariously and doing and it's a it's a scary world to me where we get to this point where people are like you know what all all of it's been explored i don't i don't need to see all 50 states right because i've seen a map of them so i know they're there the people in those states couldn't possibly give me any information that makes me a better person so i'll just get all my information from an algorithm you know, and I bet you those people who create those algorithms are really kind and nice people and want you to have a happy and fulfilled life. You will own nothing and you will be happy for you. Um, anyway, so, you know, so are you saying that traveling to Thailand healed you from what you saw on backstage? I mean, backpage? No, no hi, backstage, backpage.com. Which one's for prostitutes? Which one's for actors? Yes. <laughs> I always get confused. You can, you can do both on either. It's I'm trying to look for simple. a girlfriend, and then I'm also trying to. But I have to cast this move. Is it backstage or back page? Where's the whores? I mean actors. Yeah, they, again, they are in both places. <laughs> um, the price is a bit different, though. Isn't that weird? How those two websites, Backpage, was actually like you know Trump got rid of it or whatever when he came in because there was so much human trafficking going on out of. Uh, Good morning, brother. Out of Backpage. But then Hollywood would always cast from Backstage.com. That's where, that's where you got parts in Hollywood, literally. And yeah. it's like, is this a CI operation to tell you something, to whisper like in your ear like, hey, this site leads to this site. You could set up one profile and just shoot it over to the other one. Hey, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I highly recommend Hi- Thailand's not the place I went away to, to hold it. I did a lot of healing there, yes. I also did a lot of getting fucked up there, too. I broke a bunch of shit. I flipped a scooter. I broke my tibial plateau. I tore my ACL, broke three ribs, a collarbone, and I didn't go to the hospital for 12 days because my neck pain was still worse. But my mom was like, you better go to the fucking hospital, and I did. I listened to my mother. I love her, and all my shit was broken, so I stayed there, and in that time period, with not being able to understand why with all this broken shit happening that my neck was still feel so i went on this exploration of what i was going to decide to do with the rest of my life and it was to not to do everything i can to live efficiently and not feel extra hurt because i'm not going to hurt less than i do every day but i cannot do the things that make me hurt more so i've simplified as much as i possibly can 
we met in 2019 and you were just this i just knew you as tadpole the comedian who uh you know you're just living a totally different life being uh efficient and i'm yeah. strategically as uh a blank canvas as i can be for people and that's part of what this journey is for me is i want to expose the whole experience i record everything i originally i was never going to repeat a joke i just wanted to say as much as i could say about whatever i could say and show it all right from the people who are facing the wrong way when it starts to every once in a while those people start to turn around and take notice like hey i don't have to be a dickhead and talk to my friend when someone's up here doing some shit why are these other people laughing normally we're miserable fucks right we're comics we don't want to laugh at other people's shit because we think we got the shit to say so why not be miserable but along this journey if you just give the energy and you tell good jokes people will pay attention and i didn't want to do shows originally because physically i'm scared to death that i'm gonna hurt myself i put in all the safeguards i can i've got my hoodie i got a chair i got all these extra things put in place to protect me and it yeah you me- have a lot of like apparatus you have like you know you're kind of like neck stabilizer <laughs> you got this and that you're always yeah, like yeah I, I don't i don't want that to be known on stage initially i would i would love to get good enough this that people pay attention so i could do that thank you tour and all of that but then to to tell the real stories i think my path in life will lead me to giving a ted talk on pain that will destroy the opioid industry i think that's where i end up if given the correct platform someday Mm. yeah they'll disappear me either oprah hillary china or the opioid industry will disappear me before I get a platform. Those are nice ladies, Hillary. She's a nice yeah, lady. Yeah, great skin and everything. It's super soft. It's not beautiful. Yeah, it gives Cadillacs out. Yeah, or go Oprah. <laughs> nice lady. Yeah. Fucking. <laughs> okay. uh, man. Did you ask me about time? I answered. Yeah, yeah. I'm where, all over. Where, the, where are the bodies buried, uh, Tadpole? Where are the bodies buried? Is Does Hollywood slowly cook people and get them comfortable with more and more weirdness to kind of like sieve out the psychopaths who keep the system going but it seems like hollywood's kind of collapsing now but the same algorithm that they use on social media they've been using in hollywood for years it's easy to find people that have enough talent to suffice the needs of the project who are also easily compromisable that's all i will say you want to be smart enough to be a useful idiot to the oligarchy right as long as attention is the first thing that you crave you'll always be able to be under their control Mm. always no matter what, because like an addict in anything, right? You, you're chasing it, you're chasing it, you're chasing it, you're chasing it. Everything else becomes blind. It's peripherals. There's no way you can focus on anything when you feel a certain way. I've, I've performed, I've shot a basketball in front of 80,000 people. I've performed in front of probably 10,000 feet. When you get that fucking rush, you're like, oh my God, this is the fucking, oh my God, it's better than a blowjob. I ain't gonna lie. I've had some really amazing blowjobs. But that rush of attention that feeling like oh my god they yeah. like me they really really like I me i mean killing and stand up is the greatest thing in the world there's nothing better than killing and stand up um i would say killing at whatever it is that you do craving yeah, yeah, yeah. I, if if you've if you've been an artist that was painting in the park and some little kid when i'm like mommy god with this is the most beautiful you as that artist in that moment that attention gave you what you craved out of your craft yeah whether it's you know I was so disappointed when I saw Will Ferrell, who I have a lot of respect for, but then he goes to, like, Maria Abranovich's, like, cannibalism parties, and it's just like, what the fuck am I looking at right now? Does he- uh, yeah. Uh, 
What am I looking at, Tadpole? Um, what is that? On the record or off the record? You're looking at the... No, it's fucking human beings. Look, Just look at the history of human beings and all of the things that they do, right? And then go through time. They don't stop doing them. They just find more clever ways of hiding of doing mm. them. Mm. But the, the human being will not change. We're not... We're not... In however many thousands of years we have of historical study and psycho- psychological studies, human beings don't change as a... No, I know trauma is bad, whatever. The new scientists say trauma is bad, but I like eating babies under Baphomet. I don't know what you mean. I'm not going to change. I mean, society sure. should change around me. Yeah. Catch up. Yeah, just let's... I mean, why not? <laughs> the rules are whatever you set them to be, so it's a, it's a slippery slope, right? Do what thou wilt, Shelby, as the whole of the law. <laughs> right now in this country, we're trying to find ways of eroding the most brilliant document and three-tiered structured government in the history of the world because of a couple of things. We feel a certain way about a couple of things that don't give a couple of certain people an advantage in a certain way. So let's uproot the whole thing that has given all of human society, human existence, the first time in history where the people had a say, Right? All of human histories, they've done everything in their power to make us the haves and the have-nots. All of human history, right? The Roman Empire had a little bit of a middle-class type thing going on for a minute, but America was the first time that people had the power, and we are doing everything possible to erode that. Well, when you get the money printing press, it's kind of hard to, like, give that over to the people, you know? Yeah, money might be the second thing to attention that is hard to get away from, Right. So Alistair Overeem sued his manager for $151 million. Uh, <laughs> $151,000. fucking amazing. I think he is probably, at his peak, the baddest man I've ever seen on the planet. He probably got checked a few too many times in training. His He got knocked out a few times in fights that people were like, oh, he got, now his chin suspect. But he's, he can still take a punch. Anyone that gets hit by a 260-pounder. Like Francis and Gandhi. button. <laughs> is going to fucking sleep any but well fat guys for some reason i think it's the extra amount of food that they eat can take a punch for real like on guy i think and that's why they started creating that little ball that you just chew on all day because they noticed that fat people weren't getting knocked out it's because the motherfuckers were chewing so much that they got the jaws of a pit bull you can't knock them out right so that's why people are doing it but yeah i got Alistair threatened my life one time. It was some beef. Uh, we did. We were supposed. We had a video game that was ahead of Angry Birds, and we were doing this big release and all this shit. And that was the same time as the drama was going on with the management. And outside of that, we're cool. You know, I just try oh, to. There's just you were just associated with his business manager. Right, so when, so uh, the UFC. Even, my beef is that. You don't, you don't know me like that to come at me like that, right? Go ahead, beat me up, knock me out. Woo, I got a broken neck. You're a tough guy. You beat up. What are you trying to prove by coming attacking me in the middle of thousands of people? Like, you're cool. Yeah. Just leave it there. You do business. We, you shouldn't have signed some shit if you didn't want to sign it. You shouldn't have been happy being groomed into being one of the greatest fighters in the world by a team that brought you along and then said, you know what? Uh, I don't need them. The UFC even put out like a mini 16-minute documentary that, and they re-dramatized him getting a phone call from the UFC because... Fake news. You know. Fake news. 
they, they made Boss this. Boone was a pit bull. Boss Boone is an animal, probably the greatest fight manager in the history of the world because the man will not sleep until he gets his fighters what they deserve. Now, he's also a pit bull in business for himself. and You know what I mean? So you got to take that. And I think between him and Federico, that's why the UFC and Dana White saw them as a threat and they put us up against, they banned us from, not us, me, like, you know, I'm, like I said, nobody. But when... They ban your team from managing their fighters. Our sponsorships as well. Yeah, yeah. Before they got rid of sponsors altogether. Uh, I just feel like like the more fighters were removed. Uh, I think we had Jean Olaf Einamo in the league at the time. Sergey was in Strike Force. They cut him or something. Uh, the more I talk to you, it's like you've lived like four lives. Like probably you've fifteen. Had, you've yeah. had just all these different. There's se- there's several gaps you'll find in there. Probably twenty percent of my career is available online if you're smart enough to figure it out. But I I made a conscious effort after a couple of those things happened in Hollywood to not care about it like sometimes I would do things just for a check and not take a credit sometimes I would do things for a credit just because I helped somebody out and I put some pieces together just you know for whatever reason but yeah none of that stuff ever I the experience the fucking I've got to go I got 70 stamps on my passport a little kid from Highlands New Jersey we have no street lights in my town the smallest school in all of New Jersey my first job was working for that tonight show with Jay Leno and then I'm traveling the world with the founding father of mixed martial arts why the fuck am i here why do i deserve this i don't know but i'm gonna keep being me and keep getting these opportunities if i can i don't know why it is i don't know how it is but i'm gonna keep doing me <laughs> well it's a pleasure to know you it's a pleasure to be your friend temple uh this has been highway diary episode 131 we have a sponsor for this program acbd remedy that's acbdremedy.com use promo code eric for uh 20 off your order I'm going to be doing stand-up January 19th, Wednesday, 8 p.m. in Round Rock with Brian McDuffie. Check ericcollerbach.com calendar for details. What's coming up with you, Tadpole? How can people find you on the social networks? Uh, fucking, I don't know, Google me. I hate social media. Um, and you can find me in the real world. After you do that, you're probably smart enough to do Google stuff, right, and find Tadpole Triplet. I'm the only Tadpole in the world. Shout out Carl Callen, Matt Dittis. I love the Brighton Bar, and I hope y'all give me a a platform to change this world um anyway avoid yeah. the anyway fucking avo- fuck all that mushy uh, shit. avoid the casting couch people back is it backstage or back page i forget where i got a profile on one uh, of those either way you're getting it in the back door <laughs> later motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs>